hey, welcome to this episode of Real Indigenous, where we talk about all things Indigenous on your screen and everything in between. So we're going to get back to our roots in this episode. We're going to start talking about the second season of Reservation Dogs and Uvanga Angela Starts in Upiak. And with me are... Jason Asnap. Madel Wicca. Uh, Sunrise Tipikani. Halito. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally... T- t- today, we're going to talk about the first uh, two episodes of um, Reservation Dogs. And I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'd, I'd written this piece this month for Esquire about the first four episodes. And I'm kind of just, I'm going to read from what I had written just to kind of remind myself of like what, what I, my first impressions of, of the first two episodes in this case. But I will say, just as a preface that, uh, I was like wondering if, you know, this, this team, although I know they're a very good team and I know they're very <clears throat> talented and, and uh, a lot, I know a lot of them and I know, I know they're very capable of doing great things. I was just like, are they going to be able to recreate this, you know, that level of success of the first season? And yeah, they, they, uh, they did, they did, they like did that and all, and, and much more. So yeah, let me just read the, the the first my first impressions of the first two episodes from my piece, and I'll just kind of remind myself. I just will talk about things from there. So let's see from the first episode recap kind of uh, thing that I wrote. It's like the first of the four episodes made available to critics in season two begins with Willie Jack addressing the fifth and de- deceased reservation dog Daniel via his picture on the kitchen wall, catching us up on what's happened to everybody while we were away. Everything's all fucked up, that's how she would say it. As Willie Jack would say, each of the main and ancillary characters are touched upon, but the main story concerns Alora and Jackie who are on the run to California or running away, depending on your perspective. They're terrible at it. One need only look at the car they're using to head west, a beat up res rocket belonging to Alora's grandmother to know that they will not get far. Meanwhile, Uncle Brownie, Gary Farmer, after scaring away the tornado at the end of season one, is now convinced that he's a holy man on a sacred journey under the guidance of William Knifeman, a.k.a. Spirit. Spirit's guidance may or may not be the best. He dishes on obscure crazy horse knowledge while noshing on Uncle Brownie's sonic tater tots. Spirit's crazy horse anecdotes mostly sound made up, but Uncle Brownie takes in this wisdom because it's all he's got. Knowing the messenger, he also knows to take it with a grain of salt. Skeptical and laughing, Uncle Brownie tells Spirit, you're one of those backward spirits. Bear deals with Willie Jack's obsession with reversing the curse on Jackie, but he has his own demons to address. Meanwhile, Alora and Jackie take their Indian car adventure about as far as can be expected, which isn't far. And the jury's still out on whether they are good for each other. Just that first episode, those were my impressions. And I was like... um, I was kind of wondering where the, where, where the, where they would start. Like, I, I kind of had an idea of like, um, you know, we, we have, I, I, I knew that they were going to have, you know, these two characters going, you know, to the, to, on their trip to the, to California. I was wondering how that was going to go. You know, I won't get too far into it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, that storyline actually is not as, um, it kind of turns around quickly, quicker than I thought it would. Yeah, my impressions were just like uh, I was, you know, I was impressed by the first episode. I was at first, actually, I was just like, yeah, I was I was I was like, I guess I just always assume the worst out of most things, I suppose. Maybe that's a character flaw on my part, but (laughs) I was just like, are they going to really are they going to do it? Are they going to be able to keep this this momentum up? And they did. They really did. And it was just like I was engaged. I was interested. I I thought the the way that. um, I did not. I did not uh, expect Gary Farmer's character, and Uncle Brownie, to kind of take on this whole identity of like he's now a he, he's like a he considers himself a holy man. He's on this kind of path or this pilgrimage to figure out how that's going to turn out. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Angela, what did you think? Well, we had kind of made the the prediction that they would not make it to California. <laughs> Yeah, just because it was that Indian car, I did not expect a gun, a shootout scene, or Meg Mullally to show up. Right. 
Yeah, that that might be the second episode, actually. Oh, am I jumping ahead too far? You're jumping ahead. Yeah, that's the second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the second episode. Yeah. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> okay, you go, Sunrise. Oh, me? Um, I was nervous, you know. I feel like there's a lot riding on a nervous about are they going to balance our expectations? Are they going to be able to handle the number of storylines that they left at the end? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to also acclimate? I, going into the season, I knew that there were going to be new writers, right? It'd be new people in the writing room. So I was curious mm -hmm. how that might play out. Uh, Sterling pretty much leads, like he's directing the first two episodes, but I think he's mm -hmm. co-writing with people that might might or might not be their first episode uh, in the series. So I was just like, I guess in, in terms of the, the structure of production, I was very curious how that was gonna play out. And if we're gonna see a sense of like personality or if there's gonna be any sort of like uh, navigating these characters for new writers. But I agree. I felt like we kind of went right into things that I was expecting, like the storyline, particularly about the the runaway or the the leaving toward California. Um, I am glad that we saw them on the road. I did not expect. Uh, I also didn't expect it to perhaps last like I did not expect them to end up in California I expected there to be some complications I didn't expect the kind of complications that they face so like that was engaging because I was still curious about where things were going to go um, I would say that the first episode felt like it was a little unbalanced uh, in that I wanted more from some of the other characters but that's just an expectation based on like the first few episodes of the first season which was like we're still getting to know all these characters and there's sort of like more time that's evenly spread across those characters. And this season definitely feels like we're spending more time in sort of like these branching narratives. Like, you know, like we're no longer kind of like shifting between all the characters in different places as much as we did the first season. Um, and I think that's just because they're naturally breaking apart. And I thought what was interesting is I, I wanted more time with these other characters. I thought that was a good sign to me that I wanted to be spending time with other characters that I felt like I knew. And uh, if I had forgotten them, I think that would have been a problem. Or if I felt like, oh, it's a relief. I don't want to be around these other characters. That'd be a problem. But just the fact that I knew that there was going to be some time in the future of this season where I'd spend more time, I thought that was a really great thing. Uh, so I felt like that was also using like the duration of the episodes. I'm always nervous with like, I guess, drama. That's, I mean, like this is balancing drama and comedy, but there's a lot more drama than there is like a re regular sitcom. Um, and I'm always nervous when like short drama with lots of characters uh, has the potential for not being fulfilling. Um, but I don't think it, uh, I think it succeeded, like what you said. Um, but I definitely, I definitely wanted more time, especially with like Willie Jack. Like the fact that she started the episode, I felt like they were going right into some really interesting drama that I was very interested in at the end of the last season. Like this idea of this sort of like curse. Mm -hmm. I was worried that that might not come back or I was also expecting it to kind of go in a completely different direction than the way it does. And, the conflict mm -hmm. here for like an elder to be uncertain about his spiritual role. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really interesting. Um, but it, it, to me felt like the rest of the season was going to be uh, about the curse. Um, and once we get to episode two, maybe we'll, and maybe I'll address like my response to whether that plays out or not. Um, but that, that sort of like, seeded this idea that something like was going to happen on the level of like i don't know them dealing with these like spiritual conflicts which was very interesting to me it reminded me of the uh animated series in the 80s the scooby-doo 
13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's familiar with this show, <laughs> but it's just, it, yeah, but it's just like a Scooby-Doo series where they have to like, they, they, um, they open a chest and like 13 ghosts, you know, spread across the world and they got to like go find the ghosts and capture them and put them back in this like container. Um, so I was kind of expecting that to see like how the curse emanates across all of these different characters and perhaps these different spaces uh, yeah yeah that's uh maybe what i was expecting um but huh. uh the, the definitely the conversation with spirit was really interesting like the development of how spirit interacts with somebody that's older and this like confusion about mm-hmm. like what is he you know uh you know elder brother son there's sort of like a <laughs> yeah, grandfather, <laughs> brother, grandfather, nephew. cousin, uncle, brother. Yeah, like that was great. Uh, yeah, I I would watch a whole show of just them uh, those two. And that was you know that was so amazing things. and so distinct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like really amazing that that was happening, and it does make me question about like the legitimacy of the spirit. Like season one, he was much more oh, yeah. of an authority. Yeah, but now I was like. Uh, yeah. Should I be trusting this guy? Is he a trickster spirit? Is yeah. he backwards? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was he's, really cool. He's totally like a a trickster type figure in this in this new kind of reimagining of of like a and and, and I agree that I, I I agree with you, Severus. I or I I I did not ex, I did not know I had no idea that they were going to take this direction. I had my own ideas of I was like, well, they could do this this and like where they went. I was like, I did not see that coming. I totally didn't see that, what the directions they were going. Plus, I, I had assumed, and not to get too far into the later part of the season or into the season, but I just assumed that they were going to get all the I was like, oh, all these adventures. There's all these adventures that these two, <clears throat> these two women can get into, and then they're going to have their own storyline, and like they're going to get out to California, and things are going to be crazy. I mean, it, it totally, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. What I had assumed is not even what they wrote and um and that's okay you know <laughs> and that actually it's more more entertaining but uh tully are you there are you still there <laughs> i am still alive <laughs> <laughs> what what's go what's what's uh some thoughts here man i came in really not having any kind of expectation and went in just wanted to watch a good show and to me it delivered a lot smoother than the previous seasons. I, I was happy. It was more structured and streamlined. You kind of knew what was going on. You're also comfortable with the, new, with the characters. And it, like, so in like the previous season, we're trying to figure out who's everybody, what they're doing, what their storyline is, what's going to happen with them. And we always question like, what is this supposed to be? Is it a sitcom? Is it an anthology? And so this one mm-hmm. seems more like it's a, uh, a, a, uh, um, what do you call it? An ensemble piece, right? And so we're going to follow all these different characters in this town and see what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so I was the one who just thought the mo- grandma was going to call the cops on them. They was going to get arrested and sent back mm-hmm. home. But everybody else said that it would be the ending car would break down, which is what it does. And then I thought the, that was so hilarious, by the way, because that's just what an Indian car does. It's like I should have assumed it would never get out of Oklahoma, <laughs> get out of Oklahoma, or even Eastern Oklahoma or wherever they end up breaking down. <laughs> that looks like like the middle. It looks like Eastern Oklahoma. They don't. It's not Western Oklahoma, but yeah. yeah they never said how. They never said how far they got. Did they? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so I liked it. I thought it was well paced and everything. And as for uh, Knife Man, I kind of. I always thought he was like a questionable spirit person, even in the first yeah. season, because, you know, he's he doesn't really like offer like real wisdom. He usually mm-hmm. lets the person figure out what that wisdom is, which is a form of wisdom. And that's kind of what trickster figures do, too. Right. It's not that yeah. you're to learn from them. They fuck shit up to where you learn from what the trickster has done. And yeah. so I always felt like he was kind of like this, the uncertainty of, of wisdom figure, which is what I like about like these spiritual beings, whenever you put them in the fiction stories of how you're not sure if they're like on, you know, on the up and up and they're always kind of goofy and kind of like getting things wrong and those kind of mm-hmm. things. And almost like, you know, kind of like it's a wonderful life and those kind of things where their goal is to get their wings or whatever, you know. And so, yeah, and so yeah. that's why I felt like a knife man was, is like, he's kind of that 
oh, that, yeah, yeah. that kind of guy who's just hopefully we'll, there'll be some more characterization of him because he's like yeah. the funnest character in the show. And, um, yeah. and so I like, I like seeing him and I, and I always worried that yeah. they might put him in too much to where people will get tired of him because it could come across as one note, but if we develop a storyline yeah. for him, that would help the, help the characterization of him. Yeah. And we didn't get to see uh, West Studi yet, right? In this first episode? Not in the first episode, yeah. Okay, okay. Second so, one, second one. Right, right. So, so yeah, it felt comfortable. Like, you know, you, you got back and, you know, you're back back home, you're hanging with your friends, your family, you're, mm-hmm. you know, getting caught up on where everybody's at, what happened since the last time you met with them. So, mm-hmm. so it was a good episode to me. I felt, I felt, it felt nice. And, you know, I wasn't expecting, you know, anything great or anything bad. I just went in with just expecting to just watch a funny show. Yeah, it's interesting that like uh, the, the, that spirit, yeah, he's, he does seem to occupy like this middle space. He's like, I think maybe he even says that. I don't, I can't, maybe, I can't remember if he does or not, but it's just like, he's kind of in this, like, um, not necessarily in heaven, not in hell, you know, or if you believe in those things, but just kind of, he's just hanging out, you know, and he seems like he's, he's trying to figure out how to get to that next, wherever he needs to go, I guess. That's interesting that you say that. Angela, do you have any more? input here yeah so i went and i read up the uh summary on geek girl authority thanks noetta (laughs) because i guess you know to me the first episode of the season is always kind of a let's let's get everybody back on board get everybody be reacquainted and kind of set up for the rest of the season so the second episode really stands out in my mind more Yeah. yeah it was kind of like you went on vacation and now you're back and now you're trying to catch up with what everybody's been doing while you've been on vacation mm-hmm. and just seeing how uncle brownie did after warding off the tornado <laughs> and if he found his clothes naked yeah i'm like i'm with tully i it was fine it was good it was just kind of setting everything up you know how do you but you know that's the question how do you follow up a banger of a first season so i'm sure that that was a challenge what do you think they had to overcome like what would make it fall flat you know yeah. if you, i mean everybody has such high expectations after being introduced to these characters that well we all know but a lot of people are unfamiliar with you know we could have just <laughs> that one note with each character and kept them very flat instead of all of a sudden uncle brownie's like no this is what the settlers want us to do i'm a holy man now and just seeing that whole <laughs> shift from being a loner, being a hermit, trying not to hurt people anymore. And now he's got this new mission to go out and help people. And mm. so, I mean, it's really setting, setting up the second episode, which is one of my favorites so far. We'll yeah, talk about that. Yeah, talk about that. Like, so I can tell you want to talk one? about that. You want to talk about the second. I know oh, you, I, yeah, obviously. I will say that when uh, <laughs> when the girls got picked up by the, the, the guy in the car, and then Jackie yeah. kicked him. I screamed. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah, they're rough on that dude. That they're was really rough on that dude. <laughs> yeah, that was let a me, good, uh, that was a funny moment. I thought that was pretty yeah. pretty hilarious. Like, let me, so many shit. <laughs> let me read the quick synopsis before we get into it. So I just get that out of the way because I have okay. that in my head that I wanted to do that. So okay. <laughs> my little recap. So the second episode finds Laura and Jackie still literally on the run taking refuge in a grassy field near the large home of a lonely divorcee, Megan Mullally, who I did not expect to see. Mullally rides up in a Polaris Ranger diesel four-wheeler, presumably because walking is out of the question on such a big Oklahoma property, to offer them a warm home and a hot meal. Freshly showered and adorned in Oklahoma State University gear, the girls regroup to determine their next move. I want to talk about that, actually. It's interesting to me. Meanwhile, Uncle Brownie and Bucky, West Studi, have teamed up to help Willie Jack, Bear, and Cheese rid themselves of the bad medicine from Willie Jack's curse on Jackie. It's pretty amazing to see Gary Farmer and West Studi in the same scene. That's also kind of what I talk about, too. These two indigenous veteran actors play off each other very well in a hilarious prayer to fend off the curse. I was howling in that scene. The idea is to help the reservation dogs, but in actuality, Uncle Brownie and Bucky have old beef that needs to be indirectly addressed. The result is an indigenous prayer showdown for the ages. In his search for meaning, Bear finally comes to the realization that he simply just needs a job right after he's confronted by the very people he's stolen from. With a surprisingly astute 
assist from spirit, he mans up to face his past mistakes and makes it a point to address his future. So Angela, go. <laughs> <laughs> Having said all that. <laughs> so yeah, very exciting. All of the, the gun chasing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is intense. Mm. And then showing up in Meg Mullally, which yeah, that was I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what a treat. Mm -hmm. I do feel like, I don't know, she was just so understated and it's not something I'm used to seeing from her. So I don't know how they came to the mm -hmm. conclusion to use her in that role or if they already had the role and she was just like, put me in coach. And she has Oklahoma ties, right? She's from Tulsa. She's from Tulsa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, was, so was the guy also that's like with the gun sequence in the car. Oh, is he really? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I mean, I appreciated the Jesus-y, Gloria Steinem, girl power stuff. Mm -hmm. but The ranch. The ranch with the, oh my gosh. The copious amounts of ranch. With the Mexican spaghetti. I mean, it's it's kind of like a native person's nightmare going to go eat at their white cousin's family. <laughs> it hurt my stomach just looking at that food. I was just like, ouch, you know. <laughs> Look at casserole. Thanks. <laughs> and ranch with bread. Like, uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, she's got such comedic chops. I was surprised that she wasn't utilized a little bit more with mm. that. And what about like West Studi and Gary Farmer being in the same scene? Like how amazing was that, right? That was, that's why this episode is one of my favorites. Just because mm. that was the, the buddy movie that we didn't know we needed. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think they need to make their own like road trip movie two old guys mm -hmm. going out to do something and just listening to them rip mm -hmm. off of each other the whole time would be just pure gold mm -hmm. and then you know the prayer oh my gosh I was rolling in the <laughs> I wish I knew if they yeah. wrote that or if it was improv because it was just oh the fight oh. sequence oh my gosh the throwbacks with the hair, you know, they, they yes. have like these wigs, these obvious wigs. It's so it's like kind of a, an homage to like uh, spoke signals with the bad wig that Adam Beach wore. You know, it's like <laughs> obvious bad wigs. That's and the so blood funny. splatter on the on the lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a really yeah. nice touch. Sunrise, so sunrise. What did you what what was what did you think? Yeah, I, I had see you similar, over there. See yeah, you there. I had similar sentiments about Megan Mullally. I was really expecting, I guess, more, I don't know, something larger. That's my expectation. But like, clearly, I also had the expectations earlier about like what I just mentioned about like wanting to see the full cast in the first episode or even the second episode. Uh, I wanted to see more of the curse play out in this, this episode. It's sort of like dormant. I don't know if it's going to come back but it's mm -hmm. not as present. Um, but regardless of those things, like they're defying expectations and taking us in new directions that are not playing into what I'm wanting or what I'm mm. thinking is going to happen. And I think that's good. Like keeping me having to pay attention and really like focus on like, where are they taking this? Mm. And the fact that they focus on Megan Mullally as sort of a guest star, like she has an entrance and we know, who she is and the audience is probably also expecting the things that I'm expecting, but then it goes in this other direction and we have to really rely on observation skills, I guess, which is very like in, in native, I guess, traditional. We have to really observe like the characters that we've been following become the communicating in a level that's all about like looks and these sort of like subtle like movements to each other, the gestures about like eat, you know? Uh, but there's like no vocalizing. And so the audience then has to be put in a position, whether they're used to this or not, to like really kind of like also like change the way that they interact with what's in front of them. What so, scenes are you talking about in particular? But Just like that Megan Mullally dinner sequence. I feel like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, yeah, yeah. the Alora and Jackie interchange across the table. Like it works on a level of just comedy, but I think it also works on the mm -hmm. level of like the fact that we communicate a lot through like gesture and through looks and mm -hmm. uh, that is just as much uh, an important element in that particular scene and but Megan Mullally just to get back to like what I'm expecting about her performance to be like exaggerated large and um, excessive the fact that she pulled all that back 
and I was still like engaged. I was like very aware of the fact that she has skills as a dramatic actor. And, you know, I feel like that could be a good turn for her if she wanted to continue to go into a new stage of her career. Cause I, there were subtleties to the humor, but it feels like, it, you know, she could probably play more delicate, nuanced roles. I thought that was interesting. It just like mm -hmm. the fact that the, the team, probably Sterling gave her the opportunity to do something like that. And, and was also trusting enough in somebody who we expect to perform a certain way. It's so easy for this show to like slip into just like being a traditional like sitcom and be like pratfalls and like shrill voices and like, <laughs> but there's like a maturity mm -hmm. to the humor because of all that. And then balancing like that stuff that I was talking about earlier, these glances across the table, I feel like those things are also really highlighting uh, Devery's mm -hmm. abilities as an actor, which I feel like is sort of get overlooked in this series because of the maybe more pronounced nature of the of the younger actors. Um, I will say that like the more I, I watch this, the more I'm impressed by her uh, as an actor, as an actress, as an actor. I'm just like, she's really good. And then there was a scene where she's uh, or in, during that that dinner scene that she she gives that look of like, uh, can we eat now? Because I'm like really hungry. <laughs> she's just like, eh? yeah. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just all with a look, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I will say though, so I, I do have a little bit of a criticism about this particular scene, and it, and it is really about the cutting. And I, mm -hmm. I've been bringing this up several every time this like episode comes up in discussion. I get to this point where I feel like the form of conversation between these two in terms of their look, the way in which they're responding to Megan Mullally all feel like rooted in an indigenous like response that I understand. I feel like these are people that I know and in a context where they have to interact with those outside of like our culture. But the, like the performance style and the communication style, it feels like it's a different rhythm than the cutting of the scene. And I feel like the shots are cut like as if they are like two like white people talking to each other. It's like somebody says something and then there's a quick comeback and then you cut back for a reaction. And it felt like it was taking away from like what I was expecting for like longer shots to allow us to linger and like looking maybe or something. So if you were to like cut it, you would be like longer, longer takes. Longer. I would, yeah. And I don't, I, again, I all don't, like this is a Comanche Navajo speaking about this. It's pretty <laughs> specific. I, pretty specific. <laughs> when it comes to Oklahoma, like the Comanche tribe, completely different area. I don't think the Comanches actually are the kind of slowness that I'm describing, maybe. Maybe some elders, but in this mm -hmm. age range probably would probably be just as fast. But just what I'm gathering from this like depiction of like Eastern Oklahoma and sort of like almost Northeastern Oklahoma, mm -hmm. it feels like there's a different rhythm. It feels just like I see it in the performances. So I, if I were cutting this, I would probably mm -hmm. let it linger a little bit longer. But that made me go into this question of like, why is it cutting so fast? Like who, who is actually cutting the, the, mm -hmm. the show? I don't mm -hmm. know that information. I have to look it up. Um, and I have no idea, like Patrick Tuck is the person who's editing this episode. And I don't know anything about sure. this individual. And I, I don't think that he's had any interaction with Sterling prior to this series, as far as I know. So that is something that I had to contend with for the first time of like, who is this person that like somehow is like cutting the scene against what I'm expecting. And it mm -hmm. has a great influence on like the tone and also my mm -hmm. belief in like this being like an indigenous experience. So I, I feel like I've, I've not really encountered that in this way. Uh, going into the show, I know it's like an all indigenous writers room. I knew who's at the helm of direction, you know, and, and like literally I've seen how that process works like in front of me watching him or watching the work as we grow. And, I, mm -hmm. and I've seen some of his, the rhythm in a lot of his other movies there they do linger in the way that I'm talking and maybe it's me expecting mm -hmm. that from him. And so like, that was just an interesting thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure part of that has to do with the fact that this is like, you know, a large series for a, essentially like a studio. I also find it, I find it interesting performance wise that Alora is, seems to be um, Devery Jacobs is one of the few characters that actually slips into an Oklahoma accent from time to time. You'll hear it and they'll be like, Oh, she's actually 
<clears throat> trying to recreate an Oklahoma Indian accent, but she's one of the few that actually you hear that. It seems like it's it's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's um, a really good observation. Yeah, and like obviously mm -hmm. that also indicates like her talent mm -hmm. on the level of like somebody who's a master. And I'm I'm not I'm pretty sure that mm -hmm. whenever people come into Oklahoma, like that's always a point of contention. Is like the accent. Mm -hmm. I always like watching, you know, like Matt Damon, you know, in Stillwater. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's quite right. You know? He's got the hat and he's got that like goatee thing that, that really, you know, the white and the country. Jeans, that really sell it to me a little bit. <laughs> he's got the look down. The look. But yeah, for sure. Every time I've, I didn't know I had an accent until I would leave Oklahoma and then Maybe a Navajo girl I was dating is like, oh my God, it's so adorable or whatever. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, whatever. That's not really how I talk, but maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. I've never tried to hide it, but I guess, it's, you know, we all have it. I suppose it's, it's there. Well, back, you know, back in the day, we were auditioning for Famke Johnson's first feature and Michelle had to actually come out into the waiting area and go, I need you to up your oaky accents please <laughs> and we kind of looked at her and she said just twang it up you're <laughs> we like okay that we will definitely twang it up because <laughs> the expectations of somebody from outside mm. of our state i guess expect mm. us to have a certain twang to ours and i do yeah, if i hang yeah. out with my family and chick shay then i yeah. definitely start picking that up but yeah, for the most yeah. part i don't think i agree i don't think i have an accent yeah but you definitely do <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you do we all do we, we all, all do I, we all do totally <laughs> totally quiet over there hold on a second speaking of accents the second episode is actually where it got really <laughs> funny for me like the first episode it was it was like cute fun you know and then when we get, you know, Gary Farmer and, and West Studio together, that's where we're like, oh, oh shit. And, and it's like, it's almost like, you know, Captain America and Iron Man finally get together and we finally see them get, you know, go against each other. And it was like, oh shit, because they probably haven't seen them together since uh, Power Highway, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. And they were, they were never even, in, I don't think they were in the same scene, right? Yeah, they were in the same scene at the bar. They and were? Probably, okay. Yeah, that's probably the only role I can remember that West Duty, you know, really did like just crazy comedy. Yeah. Until yeah, yeah. until he got in uh, Ronnie Bodine, because he usually plays that stoic Indian, and mm -hmm. so he, even he's playing against the type that we always see him as, which is maybe what this show is trying to do is have people play against their type. Speaking of Megan Mullally, and so to see them together and you know just you know cut it like you said just cut it up that was like a really like big big moment for for me you know these two basically your legends right who are mm. who are together next thing mm -hmm. we need graham green and then we have the, the trinity right there <laughs> and so yeah and so this was where it was it got more funny but even with like megan Mullally, and the whole thing about reservation dogs is that it's very uh it's very like i say it's that subtle humor where it's not like hardcore like over the top humor all the time but it's more like these more or less almost dry humor even with her you know you had the dry humor that happened but mm -hmm. again you know you, you, we 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 love megan Mullally when she's in will and grace you know we want to see her you know break out those acting chops and i and what do you guys feel do you think this was a memorable role for her was it something worthy of her well i it was so subtle i didn't recognize her at first mm-hmm the interesting thing is that I've met that woman a hundred times here in Oklahoma, you know, the older lady who's been left behind by her good Christian husband. And mm -hmm. so I thought she brought a lot of depth to it, which I really appreciated because, you know, mm -hmm. you could easily sway into bitter or anger or whatever, but she really, I, she hit a whole bunch of different notes in there. But at the end, she calls. Uh, she called the uh, girls sluts. <laughs> it was a slut. I couldn't remember, yeah. which is it such a funny. weird thing to call somebody. It's like it's, I know, you know but it's slut. an it's probably a generation <laughs> thing, right? I mean, she. I think she and I are about the same age, so I would have, you know, I would have said bitches, but not and not sluts. But in my head, I thought it was bitches, but it was sluts, huh? Yeah, 
I kind of felt like that was like a callback to like her old like version of like yeah a little bit over maybe even Parks and Rec. We were waiting. (laughs) You know, I have. What are you going to talk about the OSU stuff? Oh no, I I think I thought it was really they're really on point with like their gear, right? So you have like the Sooner stuff, which is prevalent and as an alumni, yes, they're the best over OSU. I think we're all sooner alumni. Oh yeah, um, totally. Don't you work for OSU? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, you alumni OSU worker. Okay, all right. So you went to the right school. Anyways, no, it's interesting because they 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 do both because it's like in that part of the where they're at. I'm assuming that those people would be very. They would be OSU people, you know, because there's like a section of you know the state you know, a smaller section that would be agriculture kind of folks or whatever, OSU people. And then I think there was like some Tulsa driller things too, like pennants or something. So just as a dude who likes sports, I noticed stuff like that. It's just like, oh yeah, that's exactly, it's good that they have that parody. Not everything's just, they they weren't lazy about just making everything sooner this, oh you that, whatever. And then, and in Oklahoma city, they, they do, you know, they have Oklahoma, what is uh, the aunt who cuts hair and makes the, the phallic, you know, beaded things. She has Oklahoma City Thunder. So they kind of like spread it out too. It's just like, it's interesting that they they spread out the sports kind of gear and, uh, and make it appropriate for certain sections of the state of like, well, this person would wear this and this person would support this. I find that pretty cool. That's like a art direction. Yeah, I, I felt like it, like not only was it real, but it was real to the point where it's like, when you walk when they both walk into their separate rooms there's almost a point of confusion of like are they in the same room because it's Mm -hmm. it's so similar Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that was an amazing kind of joke to me i was like wait what oh they're in different rooms Uh, it's because one was the dude right one i assume that was a dude's room and then like (laughs) the other one's like a you know a a female lady you know girl yeah i just thought that was really cool and you know also for for me um just talking about the to, to, the Gary Farmer West duty you know, scene. I, I just thought that was so amazing. And I laughed so much and just to finally have these two characters together in the same scene, riffing off each other, giving each other shit as old, older men, you know, who had had this, you know, ex, you know, this experience with this woman and they're kind of just like, oh, and it's all like, and then the, the younger generations, just like these people are fucked up, you know, it's like, it's like they got their own things going on. And we're like, you know, we're, we're here to do a mission. And they're just like observing it comically. And just like, I love that scene. Yeah, it was a great scene. And those two characters together, it's just, it's so, so great to see that. And it'd be great to see more of that too. And I, I didn't expect that to happen. I should have, I should have expected that to happen, but it was a very nice surprise to see that. And I super look forward to like, being surprised in the future with more and more of these episodes. Like I've already, I'm, I'm probably at episode five or six now. I, I'm, I'm up to the point that they've given to critics. I will say that like everyone's gotten better and better. Every episode's gotten better and better. I'm just like, agreed. These, yeah, agreed. these people are just hitting it. They're just like hitting the sweet spot. They're knocking it out. I'm just, yeah, I can't say enough. It's just so pleasing to <clears throat> to see this this uh, show do so well. My first thought Our, was they must be doing something right if they got the rights to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that couldn't have been cheap. So yeah, in any any final thoughts about these two first two episodes and Angela? I think it sets a really good. I mean, this is kind of cheating because we've already watched or I'm I'm already caught up, but. I think it Mm -hmm. sets a really good tone for the rest of the season. I like that we're expanding our universe a little bit more. I do. The running joke of shit ass is kind of starting to bug me. (laughs) I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) You know, my grandma actually used to say that. My grandma actually did used to say that, but. Really? um, Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw your tweet and I think that was your tweet. Uh, somebody said like does anyone did anyone's family yeah that was this? a question about somebody yeah. saying who in oklahoma really uses that and i was like not me yeah. my grandma used to say that she and just in that same tone like shit ass and so i remember hearing that and, was, and that was a callback for me the first time i saw it in, in, in the show and i was like oh that's funny I, I remember my grandma saying that but 
that's kind of that's like an older generation old term yeah well i think that it could be used a little more with a little more choice <laughs> for maximum impact you know <laughs> i think throwing sunrise. it in every other i know sunrise is cracking up what the fuck is sunrise cracking <laughs> I up <laughs> sunrise you gotta let, let us in sunrise about to die over there I just, it's I like just, it's I like just, a little I, bit I'm of having, salt yeah it just you know? it's just funny how like angela's trying to how she's trying to be delicate about like, <laughs> stop stop using it so much <laughs> Well, it definitely feels like more of an inside joke at this play, right? For the, the set to just and put it in, and everyone yeah, like I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, it probably it feel, it feels to me a little bit like there's like a forty eight hour like rule book a little bit. It's like you got to have this in there, and you got to get the Sonic in there, and you got to get like, this other thing in there, because like the Sonic is also starting to get to me a little bit. I'm like, are they making money? I wonder if they're making I don't, any money I, off of these I, Yeah, plugs. that's a good question. I totally you know, they, like that. It's not they an Oklahoma ca- company anymore. So if they're... Oh, is that right? They, yeah, they sold out. They, um, The Sonic Com- Corporation sold to the Arby's people. Oh, man. Which is, you know, a whole topic for another podcast. Because, oh, we have opinions about that. <laughs> <laughs> about Sonic being sold to Arby's. <laughs> yeah and how much it's changed is that really is that really a topic <laughs> i think you just said it i think you just, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm curious but you don't have to go into it but i'm curious <laughs> but you- I, I i i am getting getting to the point where i like i, I don't want to see sonic anymore on, on the show <laughs> it feels like the delivery of the word sonics is now starting to feel like it's a little bit forced yeah the, the, uh, yeah back a little bit and let us let us want it and then bring it back just like at the end maybe just like shit ass <laughs> maybe then you start going to brahms or uh what's the uh is it the taco mayo is that the oklahoma one yeah that's the other taco mayo yeah. oh. <laughs> i like those potatoes every time i go back i get those little potato things because they're, they're so salty you know this you get the tacos and you get like a thing of potatoes anyways i'm off topic <laughs> Sunrise, sunrise. Now, sunrise. now we're doing a, the, a food talk. Food talk. <laughs> that's another. That's a whole other podcast. That's a discussion for all that. Sunrise. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I will say that the first two episodes felt like one episode to me, which is maybe why Angela confused some of the events as if yeah. they were the same. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it's keeping that like one through line of like the drive and like meeting people along the drive. And then coming back, mm-hmm. um, it does feel like it does set things up for Alora in a way that I was kind of wanting in the first season. Um, so like the weight, the psychological and emotional weight that come from that journey or like the intentions being put on hold that come later really affect how I engage with what happens in the next few episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But I felt like the performances were, the performances were much stronger this season. Um, and mm-hmm. it might be because of the things that I was uh, talking about earlier that we're spending more time with like some characters more than others. And I felt mm-hmm. like that the, the, def- the show and the performances definitely got stronger by the end of the last season because we were really focusing on different characters a little bit more. And that's what's happening here. And I really enjoy that. Maybe because it's just like performance. Because um, that's all I seem to be talking about besides the editing. But I think, I, I think that's really important just in terms of like native presence on screen. There's always mm-hmm. this issue I feel like we have that we don't get perceived as people who can have the talent of acting. We're always mm-hmm. put into some sort of trope and we have to play and perform that whatever that is and this mm-hmm. is really allowing totally you know yeah for us to see the talent of these people and then that further allows the audience to believe that we're human more so i feel like that's really mm-hmm. great and then like the just like what i said about the spirit i feel like the spirit's getting more interesting to me and uh yeah you already mentioned it that like every is really shining like she is somebody that i've been aware of and I felt like the work that she's been in has always sort of like relegated her to like one of these things that I'm talking about. She's got to kind of play something or it's like action that sort of doesn't highlight the strength of her dramatic chops. But like, this is very strong. I feel like it hasn't been this strong in some of her works since like the period where she started. And um, when we were shooting the pilot, you know, after we wrapped, I went up and I was like, I'm sure you don't remember me, but 
you came to Night of Crossroads and we screened your film and you were just so nice. And, and that's a great so film talented. too. It is. It's so good. And Ray, is that what it is? Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. And I was just I like, think it's oh. called Ray. Because I, I was, was at the same one. I was at that same Oh, was it yours too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. And she was just so sweet. And I was like, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And she's like, thank you. I That means a lot. She was very sweet. And I think she's just so talented. And she's in those, that uh, Echo thing they're shooting. They just wrapped in Atlanta, I believe. Right. Oh, is right. she? Yes. Yeah. She's got a okay. pretty prominent role in that. So she's, she's doing fine. Well, and she wrote at least one episode of Reservation Dogs. Correct. Mm-hmm. And she, so the short was called Stolen, right? And so that was um, from 2016. Um, but she also is writing a feature that I think has been going through the labs. And I'm sure she's going to probably direct it also. Good for her. So it's like, yeah, this is a great training ground. And yeah, like Sterling's really going to help her get places. With it. Good. Tully, Tully, wake up. <laughs> well, what <laughs> What's going on? Final thoughts. Final oh, thoughts. uh, uh, episode one, Reservation Dogs. Uh, anyways, uh, let's see. <laughs> Final thoughts. Um, let's. I forgot what I was gonna say. Overall, I think it's good. Very streamlined. Very like I said. Uh, I think it's like uh, for this one, like Sunrise says, it does feel like it's more of one episode, which I'm okay with. I'm I'm happy with that mm-hmm. because. My mm-hmm. feeling with this one is that it's going to be a uh, more like a soap opera type of story where, you know, there's always, it's going to continue for the whole season with, with a complete storyline going across. And whatever that storyline is, I don't know, because I only watched maybe three episodes. And the other thing about what Sunrise says about the editing and all that, it, it, that probably, you know, it has to do with timing, too, to, to time the episodes, because they're short episodes. They're 30-minute episodes. And you really less don't have. They're less than that, actually. If you if you check out the commercials, and, oh, if okay. you're just streaming it, it's like twenty four, maybe minutes. Okay. Yeah, and so so you know less than that. I think that's a part of you have to pace it, quick. and especially when it's a more slow, subtle scene, you want to pace it editing wise to make it feel faster. And the other thing with the previous season is that we spent more time with which with the characters like we had full episodes where we would just stay with one character and mm-hmm. so this time we're you know kind of bouncing back and forth between each character and so that might even be a part of the part of the issue of, of, of you know trying to edit at a, at a pace and the 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 kid what's his name the uh, the other one geez does he have a storyline not really not, uh, not, not within these two episodes no yeah, watching these two. watching big trouble in little china okay oh yeah he, he, he tried to grab that, that cassette so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen with cheese if they're going to do anything with him because i know a lot of kids like that character and so mm-hmm. i'd like to see what where he goes but overall yeah like i said first two episodes were good going to what angela was saying about like worried about the second season you know you always have the sophomore slump issue we're always wondering mm-hmm. what's going to happen if somebody's going to fuck up the second second year. I always see in TV and things and 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 uh, whatever you call it, TV shows. Second year is usually the, the stronger one. The first year is the one that's kind of they're trying to find their place and their space, and it's a little bit wonky. And then once you get to the second and third third year, that's when it gets a little stronger because now they know what their show is and now they know who their characters are. You know, all that kind of stuff happens. And so hopefully that's what's going to happen with this. It gets stronger gets better and they never dr- jump a shark so as long as we're we're getting all that speaking of sharks uh jaws coming out this weekend y'all yeah in 3d and imax <laughs> wait what year is it what <laughs> jaws is starting is this new or is it like uh, is this a no, the, old, the original yeah it's the first oh. time it's been, ever been released in both imax and 3d how are they gonna make a film like a like physical film and imax they blow it up just like they do 16 to 35 i feel very conflicted about this limax and it's in, and it's in 3d so i'm confused is this jaws 3d where the teeth yeah. hit the screen or is this jaws the original in 3d so now i'm expecting to see dennis quaid or something <laughs> I, it's news to me i didn't know that so. <laughs> oh, it's one of my favorite movies i hope they don't mess it up 
But how are you going to mess it up by projecting it? I don't know. Maybe like pan and scan. They're going to turn it into pan and scan. Something weird like that. You're going backwards, girl. I know. That's what I'm saying. I hope I don't mess it up. They ain't pan and scan since 1983. <laughs> uh, well, technically, it's not since 2002, but the <laughs> ET also came out like a couple weeks ago, and that was released for the first time in IMAX. And I'll say that seeing that in IMAX was like totally amazing. Like you, you felt like you were in the room, in the bedroom, hiding with the kids. Like the objects in the room felt like the size they would be if you, if you could just reach in and touch them. Yeah, be dirty. Like I saw, yeah, I saw details in the back, like the first sequence where they're, like you know, playing their little Dungeon and Dragon game or whatever, and ordering pizza. Uh, you could see so much information that, like, in the far back wall, you saw like pictures of like the husband that's missing, that's not in the movie. And oh, wow. All of a sudden, you could see like you know vacations with the kids, and like you got a better sense of like how like remove this person was but how present he used to be and that hmm. was really amazing um so i can't imagine that jaws is gonna get worse um, it could maybe well, i mean it's so old the physical film you know, but i feel like it's gonna well, add to something and that was just et just came out two weeks ago you said i feel like it like two or the weeks, re maybe, yeah the, the re-release yeah it might still be in theaters in the imax blow up and the IMAX Damn. blow up Jaws would look even less real. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. Even more it motorized. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a Universal Studios experience. <laughs> that thing still scared me on the tour. Not going to lie. It, it kind of scared me, too. I went Doesn't it like, look like it's going to fall in the water or something? Is that what happens? I mean, it comes right up on the side of the boat. I mean, Nikki was sitting yeah, there. And like it was coming right at her, and just, oh my gosh, we were all scrambling to the other side of the boat. All right. Anyways, that's my take. Jaws, uh, waiting for the IMAX blow up of Reservation Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> ET, the re-release of ET came out two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there we go. <laughs> there we else, go, kids? kids. There we go, kids. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I guess that that does it for that, right? I guess yeah. There we go. We'll be back for two more in another week to talk about two more uh, two more episodes, non Jaws related. Hopefully, I'll watch them. <laughs> I think I'm on episode. When is it that the anti dies? Is that episode three? Oh, golly, four. that's a good one. Four. That's four. four. Yeah, I'm in episode four then. So thanks for joining us tonight as we discuss Reservation Dogs episodes one and two with all of our fabulous hosts. And remember, don't just keep it real, keep it real indigenous. <laughs>